Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of John chapter number 9. The book of John chapter number 9 tonight. I, I really I want to give you tonight what I feel like that the Lord has what the Lord has downloaded in my spirit. Um, I've got plenty of notes here. I'm going to try to stick close to my notes. Uh, if the Lord will help me here, so you pray for me that uh, say God help him stay close to his notes so he don't chase rabbits while he's preaching, and uh, and you know, and maybe the Lord will answer your prayer. Amen. Amen. John chapter 9, begin reading at verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 7 tonight. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, or the King James would say, Master, who, who sinned this, that this man, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? There's the question. Here's the answer. I want you to pay very close attention to everything that Jesus says here. Jesus answered and said, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Pastor preached, uh, preached Sunday morning on, on sending the light. Verse number 6, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. How would you like to go through a prayer line that, like that at camp meeting? We're going to do that Monday night. We're going to start, start spitting on the ground and anointing... <laughs> No, I'm, I'm just joking for all of you people. But when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Verse 7, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. What a marvelous, marvelous miracle. So with God's help tonight, I'm going to talk to you on this thought that I feel like that the Lord began to speak to me Sunday night. I want to talk to you on the subject tonight on purpose. On purpose. You may be seated in the house of God. John chapter 9 gives us a... a a very interesting account of a healing that takes place in a blind man that has the bible says that he was born blind he has been he has been blind since the day that he was born for all of his life this man could not see he had no sense of sight he couldn't make out shapes figures. He, he, he has lived his entire life in darkness. Darkness is all that this man knows. It is in this instance that 
his life intersects with a man that is called Jesus. And in one moment, this man, this man called Jesus spits on the ground. He makes a mud pie. He anoints, he anoints the blind man with this mud, tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. When he goes and he washes, the Bible says that he is healed, he is made whole, and for the first time ever in his life, he is made whole. What a remarkable miracle we have just witnessed. A man who for all of his life could not see, he groped around in darkness through one miracle of Jesus, when Jesus intersected in his life, the man became healed and, be, and was able to see. As a matter of fact, later on in that chapter, they, the religious people asked him, how in the world were you able to see? And I like, I like the man's response. He said, a man that is called Jesus stopped by where I was at and he anointed my eyes and he said go wash and I went and washed and I received sight and they said oh that, I, we've heard about that Jesus he's a sinner and he said well whether he be a sinner or not I really don't know but this one thing I do know I was blind but now I see what a miracle that we have here but here's what's interesting what is interesting is the moment that Jesus and his disciples encounter this man, his disciples begin to get into a theological discussion. They get into a theological debate. What's the discussion? What or who has caused this man to be born blind? What is the reason why that this man that is sitting by the side of the road has been blind all of his life? As a matter of fact, the disciples would say, who sinned? Did he sin? Oh, if he didn't sin, did his parents sin? And because of this, this man is now living under the curse of something that had been passed down through the generations. And now he's living under the consequence of someone else's transgression. Now see, that seems like logical questions to ask, right? Because when we see somebody in a difficulty, when we see somebody that's struggling, when we see someone that has an abnormal condition, when we see things like that that happens, and naturally our curiosity gets the better of us and we begin to ask questions. Well, what happened? What put this man in this condition? What put this lady in this condition? What happened to put them in the shape that they were in? But I'm amazed that Jesus responds. Because Jesus had a very interesting response. So let's look at what his response was. Because the disciples asked, Who sinned that this man was born blind? Verse 3, Jesus gives us the answer. Jesus answered and he said, Neither. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But that the works of God should be revealed in him. He said nobody sinned. Nobody did anything to make this man blind. As a matter of fact, this man was born blind for the simple purpose that 
God's work needed to be revealed in him. You see, there was actually a divine purpose for what this blind man was experiencing. God wanted to reveal his sovereign plan through this man's life. Jesus unequivocally states that this man was born blind so that the works of God could be made manifested in his life. What a powerful statement made by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You mean to tell me, now we're going to dive into some deep waters here. You mean to tell me that God ordained something from eternity past to be made manifest in this man's life so that the works and the glory of God could be revealed in him? Well, you do if you believe Scripture. Because what did God tell Jeremiah? God would tell Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. We, we, we quote it all the time. We, especially in what has been happening in the last few weeks. We have quoted this. We have quoted this a lot. When God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, before you were ever formed and conceived, I knew you. Before you were born, what? I ordained you to be a prophet. What is he saying? God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, before you were ever born, Jeremiah, before you were ever formed, Jeremiah, before your mama and your daddy ever got together, before they ever got married and before they ever consummated the marriage, I already had a plan for you. I already ordained something in your life. I had a purpose for you. We can say that Jeremiah was set apart for a purpose. Can somebody say amen? And if we truly believe the scriptures, and I hope that you do, then we have to believe that this applies to every human being that is sitting in this house, that is watching us by Facebook, that is going to be listening to us across the web, that is that that everybody that is sitting, that is that is alive and breathing. It can't just be a nice slogan for a political talking point against abortion. But we have to believe that each one of us, that before the foundation of the world, God called us and God ordained us on purpose for a purpose. My God, let me just preach for about 30 seconds here right now. We are not here by accident. Harvest time assembly, we are not here by accident. We are here for the divine purpose of God from the foundations of the world. God looked down through the eons of time and he saw a group of people here in Stanton, Kentucky and he said, I've called them and I've ordained them and I've set them apart. Once you understand that God called you on purpose for a purpose. My God. Oh. There's a purpose. On purpose. You see, here's the interesting thing about this blind man that we read about in John chapter 9. Sin didn't make him blind. Can I even go a step further and tell you? This was not an attack of the enemy or the devil upon his life. We should be able to accept the fact that this plan was orchestrated by one person 
and one person only, and that was God. Oh, oh, I feel good in my soul tonight. God Himself ordained this from eternity past to show forth something of significance in the future. You see, we call this the sovereignty of God. We believe that God has already laid out the plan before the world was ever formed. Oh, let me just preach here for a That's the reason why God, nothing is taking God ever by surprise. That's the reason why when things happen in the world and we and we get all jumped and we and we scratch our heads and we and, and, and we wring our hands worrying about everything that is going on. God is not sitting up there scratching his head saying, Oh, I didn't see that coming. No, I, oh, oh my goodness, that, that wasn't what I had planned. No, God, God in his infinite wisdom, he, he operates in time, but he but he sits outside of time. So he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning. And he is the end. He is the first. And he is the last. So he knows everything. And can I just say this? Nothing can come your way unless God ordained it. Oh. You see, there was a divine purpose in this man's condition. Very quick, like, let me see if I can share with you two reasons what this purpose was. Number one, to show that Jesus was the light of the world. Now, I'm going to wrap this all up here in just a few moments with something. So, you see, this man walked in physical darkness. He didn't know what anybody looked like. He couldn't enjoy the beauty that was around him. But when his disciples asked a question, the disciples said, "Well, no, Jesus said, well, number one, I got it. He said he was blind because something has to be manifest in his life. Number two, I am the light of the world. Jesus described himself as the light of the world. And as long as he's around, darkness cannot be. Amen. See, it was a physical problem that had a spiritual implication behind it. You see, the healing was just simply not so that he could receive his sight. That was good. That was great. That's wonderful. Praise God for it. But how many knows that any time that God works a miracle in your life, it, nine times out of ten, it's never simply just about you. You see, God manifested in the flesh, brought light to this man's life for the very first time. And it signifies, as the scripture would say, that those who walked in darkness... Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Has seen a great light. Paul the Apostle encountered this light on the road to Damascus. But it tells me that whatever dark places I am in in my life, and there will be times that each and every one of us will go through dark places. But the fact that when we go through dark places, that Christ can bring the light of glory into whatever darkness that we have. You do not have to stay in the dark. You do not have to stay blind. As long as He is around, there is Number two, think about this. This could very well possibly been a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. 
Ooh, I'm getting ready to unlock something for some of y'all here. Got time for a quick Bible study? Genesis 49 and 10. Jacob is getting ready to die and he calls his sons to him. And he begins to speak over their lives. The gift, a New Testament gift is operating in Old Testament times. The prophetic Jacob begins to speak prophetically to his sons. And he comes to Judah. And this is what he tells Judah. This is what he prophesies over Judah in Genesis 49 and 10. He says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of his people Jesus encounters this blind man, anoints his eyes, and tells him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Could it be, could it be that when Jesus told this blind man to go wash, he was announcing something to everyone that was around him? They were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a deliverer. They were looking for their kings. Is it possible that in the fullness of time, God ordained one blind man to show the world that the Messiah had come? We call this a divine crossroad. One's man li- one man's life intersecting with the divine plan of an almighty God. You may be saying to yourself tonight, Preacher, what is the point in all of this? Glad you asked. Truth is, many of us that are sitting here in this house tonight, those that are watching by Facebook, those that are going to be listening to this sermon later, are facing some sort of dilemma. Some of us are facing battles. Some of us are facing sickness. Some of us are facing different things in our life. Maybe things that we know about. Maybe things that we don't know about. It could be a variety of things. But ask yourself this question. What is the purpose in all of it? What is God trying to accomplish through what you are going through? Listen to me carefully here tonight, church. What if I were to tell you that there can actually be a purpose in your pain? What if I told you that there can actually be a purpose in your sickness? I've lost some of you right there, but that's okay. What if I told you that there can actually be a purpose in your loss? What if I told you that there can actually be a purpose in your struggle? And you may be saying to yourself, well, preacher, I don't believe that. Well, you don't believe the Bible. Don't get quiet on me now. 
Because if you don't believe that, you don't believe the Bible. So let's take a look throughout Scripture and let's see what Scripture has to say. Acts chapter 8. We've been talking about this in Sunday school. Acts chapter 8 tells us that because of the persecution of the believers in Jerusalem, that the disciples were scattered abroad. The purpose? So that the message of the gospel had to go through the entire world. Here's the thing. Persecution was the vehicle to the purpose. Oh, we're we're, we're good about being prophets. We're good about the purpose for us being evangelists. But when we start talking about the purpose as persecution to get us to the purpose, we don't like that. But the Bible says that persecution came because it was not God's will for them to be simply at Jerusalem preaching, having church every Sunday and going through the motions. My goodness, you're not going to help me preach tonight, but that's okay. But the fact is, so God in His infinite wisdom said, I'll allow persecution to come so that they will get out of their comfort zone and be scattered abroad. Because I already said in the beginning that when the power of the Holy Ghost would come upon them, I would cause them to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea and to all the most uttermost parts of the world. How about the Apostle Paul? While he is in prison, listen to what he writes. Philippians chapter 1 verses 12 through 14. But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifested in all of this palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul writes to the Philippian believers in a jail cell. Philippians is the book of joy because he talks about joy more than anything else in that book. He said in Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He didn't write that while he was while he was up in the Taj Mahal. He didn't write that while he was up in the Ridge Carlton. He, he, he was writing that while his back was beaten bloody red and he and he and he was and, and while he was sitting in a prison cell knowing that at any time that the edict could come from the from the emperor Nero that he was going to give his life for the cause of Jesus Christ and he has the gall to stand up and write to a church and he says hey you know all of this stuff that has happened to me he said all of this has happened to me for a purpose and you know what that purpose is this purpose has happened so that the gospel can go forth. And he said, he said, I he said, I am here in these bonds and imprisonments because God had a purpose. God had a plan. And God wants you to be confident in the work of God. He said, I he says, I wouldn't trade these chains for anything in the world because God's purpose is being accomplished. What else does Paul say? All right. You track with me so far. What about this? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. Listen to what he says. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, 
the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Now look at that. So there's a multi-purpose here. Because twice he has already said, this thorn is given to me so that I do not become exalted and prideful because of what God is showing me. So in order for God to keep me in check, God allowed Satan to bring a thorn into my life. Mm. He said, for this thing, I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now listen to this. Most gladly. Therefore would I rather glory in my infirmities. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. God allows a thorn to come. Some believe that this is actually a medical condition. Some theologians believe that it is his eyes. Because he actually uses the word infirmity, infirmary or infirmity. You look that up in the Greek however that you want to look it up and you'll find out that infirmity means exactly what it means. It means that there was probably some physical ailment about him. And God allowed this to come for two purposes. Number one is, Paul, I can't have you be prideful about the revelations that I'm giving you. What revelation? Paul receives the revelation of the church. Paul receives the revelation of grace. Paul receives many mysteries that were concealed from the Old Testament prophets that are not only revealed to the church. And God says, I can't have you be prideful because of what I'm showing you. How many knows that sometimes God will take us through some things to break the pride out of us? My goodness, let me just preach right there for about 30 seconds. Sometimes don't be surprised when, the, when that sinful arrogance of pride begins to raise up in, in all of, and, uh, and all of us have got to crucify it sometimes. I'm preaching to me and I'm preaching to you. And sometimes God, sometimes God will allow some stuff to come into our lives and say, hey, you know what? I need to break that spirit off of you. That's right. yeah. mm. But here was the second thing. He said, I also need you to give a peop- the people in the church a revelation of my grace so that they can understand that sometimes grace will bring you out of it but there are sometimes that grace is there to walk you through it oh listen I'm thankful for deliverance and don't get me wrong I'm, th- I'm still thankful that I serve a God that delivers but can I tell you our faith at times does not become strong because of what we are delivered out of sometimes our faith becomes stronger more often than 
God. Our faith becomes stronger because of the grace of God that is upon our lives that enables us to walk through some things. And we've got to understand that sometimes that grace will it'll bring us out of some things. But sometimes grace is there as we walk through it. It's sufficient for every situation that we're going through. It's sufficient for every trial. It's sufficient for every sickness. It's sufficient for every battle. It's sufficient because he said, my grace is sufficient. Even when we're at our weakest point. Listen to what he says. My grace and my strength will always bring you through. And Paul's response is amazing. When he says, I would rather glory in what I'm going through if it means I can have the power of God resting upon me. Oh, I think we miss that sometimes. I'd rather go through the fire if it means that I, that, that means that I can have the power of God resting upon me. I'd rather go, I, I'd rather go through some betrayal if it means I can have the power of God resting on me. Okay, I'm going to go there. I'd rather walk through some sickness at times if it means I've got to have the power, if it means I can have the power of God resting upon me. If it means that I can show others that no matter what I may face and no matter what you have to face, as long as I've got King Jesus, as long as I've got the Holy Spirit, as long as He's by my side, I know that He'll never leave me and that He'll never forsake me, but He'll go with me So here's the question, and I'm, and, and I'm done. Think of that thing that you're going through right now. What is that thing that is before you? And ask yourself, in this, what is the purpose that God is trying to show you? You see, more often than not, what we go through is for a much greater purpose than we could ever imagine. See, this is not in my notes, but let me just say this. See, we live with a right now mentality. I've got to have the deliverance now. I've got to have the healing now. I've got to have, I've got to have the breakthrough now. And that's all fine and good. And there are times that God works that way. God's worked that way in my life. I'm sure God has worked that way in your life. But that does not mean that God is obligated to ever work that way every single time. What is the purpose? And more often than not, there is a greater purpose. I have learned that God is desiring every day. To reveal his purpose in a greater way in my life than I could ever imagine. See, here's the thing. I'm not here to downplay or to belittle anything that we are facing or what we have faced. Because I know this. I know it's not fun having to walk through some stuff. It's never fun having to walk through betrayal. It's never fun having to walk through people turning their backs on you. 
It's never, it, it's never fun having to walk through sickness. I don't think any of us woke up this morning saying to ourselves, you know what, I'd, I'd, like, a big, I'd like a big dose of sickness today. I mean, I, I, when, I, when I was in the hospital and they told me I would never walk again, I didn't wake up that morning desiring to go in the hospital. It's, those things are not fun. Those things hurt. Those things break us. Those things crush us. Those things, those things make us weep. Can I be so dare to say even this? Those things make us question. Yeah. Oh, some of y'all look at me like, oh, I've never done that. Well, bless your heart. I have, Pastor. I've been in places in my life where I've stood back and I said, uh, God, um, I thought you were, you were the big guy looking out for me over here. Can I tell you this? It, I'll just be honest with you. It's no fun. It's no fun sitting in services watching everybody else get their breakthrough and you don't get your breakthrough. Yes. Right. Well, come on. I'm just being honest with you. Can I just be honest with you for a couple more seconds? It, it, listen, at, at times, it's painful to be in a service and see everybody else get healed and you don't get healed. Now I know we can I know we can make all the excuses and, and Pentecostals and Charismatics were we're, we're we're great about doing that. Well you just gotta claim your victory, you just gotta do this, you just gotta do that. And that's just the reason why you don't get that none of that stuff is happening. I, and listen, and I'm not here to downplay any of that. I'm not here to I, I'm not here to, to make light of any of that. But what if God actually just has a purpose? And it's our job. To figure that out. Through it all. I want God's purpose to be revealed in my life. I don't want what I'm going through or have gone through to simply be about me. Can I tell... Oh, okay. I've got like three sentences left of this message and I'll actually be done. But I want to tell you this. More often than not, perhaps we don't receive what we, what we need to receive or want to receive simply for the fact that we try to make it about us. You see, in the, Old, in the New Testament, when miracles happen in the church... It was just a little bit dedicated to the actual miracle. But then so much dedicated to the people that it brought in and it reached. You see, I want to show others God's purpose. You see, the, the purpose is not the pain. The purpose is not the loss. The purpose is not the suffering. The purpose is not the sickness. The purpose 
It's what's revealed through it. Stand with me. As we're getting ready to close this out, think about that thing that you're facing. Think about that thing that you're going through. I've got, I can just be honest with you, I've got things in my life right now that I'm asking God and I'm saying, God, what is it? What, what, are, you, what are you trying, you know, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying? What are you trying to teach me in all of this? What is it? What is it that God can teach you? I may talk about this later, but you remember Joseph after he goes into the pit. Then he goes to Potiphar's house and is accused of perverted things. And then he's going into prison. But through that, God had a purpose. And that was to get him to the palace. Now, can I be honest with you, Pastor? That's not the direction. If I was God, that's not the direction that I would took. Thankfully, I'm not God. And Joseph looks at his brethren on that day... And we, must, we misquote this a lot. When we go through something and we say, you know, well, the devil meant it for evil. That's not what Scripture says. He looked at his brethren and said, you meant it for evil. But God purposed all of this for my good. And Paul would come along and he would say, For we know that all things work together for good. Are you ready? To those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through right now, I challenge you to ask the Lord, Lord, through it, let your purpose be revealed. Because here's the thing, and then I'll, I'll close this out. Satan is not in control. You may be going through a valley, but Satan's not in control. You may have sickness in your body, but Satan is not in control. You, you may not have two nickels to rub together, but Satan is not in control. God has a purpose. God has a plan. And when we yield ourselves to the purpose through it, then God's glory is revealed. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight, Lord God, for your word. We thank you for your plan. We thank you for how that you have spoken to us, God. I have sensed your anointing upon me tonight. 
God, I'm asking you, Lord, right now that you would help us to be people of your purpose. No matter the situation, no matter what we are facing, no matter what we are going through. Let your purpose be revealed in us. And Father, whenever we'll cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. And the church says, Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank you.